Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 9, Episode 16, Tenka Fubu. After successfully unifying the Oda clan under his leadership, and especially after his surprising upset victory at Okehazama, Oda Nobunaga was officially on the rise. Jizamurai, lesser Owari clans, and even former enemies flocked to his banner to pledge their allegiance and support his endeavors. His most logical next target was Mino province, where his enemy Saito Yoshitatsu still held power. Before embarking on a campaign in Mino, however, Nobunaga wisely sought out alliances with two clans to his east who were most likely to benefit from the collapse of the Imagawa, the Matsudaira and the Takeda. Matsudaira Motoyasu was particularly eager to reassert his clan's independence, and in 1561 he moved his headquarters to Okazaki Castle, the traditional seat of the Matsudaira. He made a peace agreement with the Oda, but this treaty was kept secret to protect Motoyasu's wife and son, who were hostages at Sumpu Castle, where Imagawa Ujizane was still trying to assert control over his clan. As for the Takeda, Nobunaga proposed a marriage alliance, sending one of his daughters to be married to one of Shingen's sons. In 1561, Saito Yoshitatsu died unexpectedly of an illness, leaving the Saito clan in the hands of his 13-year-old son, Tatsuoki. The Oda were still preparing to make a significant incursion at the time, but their ranks were swelled in part by various enemies of the Saito clan. Many were former vassals who had sided with Dosan during Yoshitatsu's uprising. One such man was Hachisuka Masakatsu, who had been present at the Battle of Nagaragawa. A Jizamurai with long-standing ties to northeastern Owari province, Masakatsu began serving the Oda clan after the death of Saito Dosan and would go on to provide valuable local insight into Mino province, which would help Nobunaga eventually overcome the Saito clan there. While Saito Tatsuoki was the official head of the Saito clan and thus daimyo of Mino province, the actual governance duties were undertaken by three high-ranking retainers known collectively by the rather colorful title of the Mino Triumvirate. Any attempt at a full-scale invasion by the Oda clan would be met with stiff resistance by the supporters of the Saito clan. You may recall that when Tatsuoki's father Yoshitatsu raised a rebellion against the elder Dosan, over 17,000 warriors of Mino joined his cause. If Nobunaga wanted to do something besides waste his troops in a foolhardy assault and in the process prove that he had merely gotten lucky at Okehazama, he would need to employ a different strategy. He turned to his sandal-bearer Kinoshita Tokichido for help. The samurai always seemed to have a strange relationship with money. Wise daimyo like Takeda Shingen, Uesugi Kenshin, and Mori Motonari understood the necessity of a solid economy to support their war-making efforts, but samurai themselves largely viewed money as the domain of merchants, gamblers, and commoners. For Nobunaga to attempt to directly bribe the vassals, retainers, and jizamurai serving the Saito clan 
would have been seen as crass and indecent. Leaving the job to a commoner associate, however, allowed both parties to pretend like these monetary gifts were anything other than what they really were. Throughout the early 1560s, Kinoshita Tokichiro traveled throughout Mino province offering bribes to samurai leaders nominally loyal to the Saito clan in exchange for their shift in loyalty. It probably did not help matters that Saito Tatsuoki was said to engage in licentious, easy living and express little to no interest in governance. I think we can cut him a little slack in our day and age considering he was a teenager at the time, but that kind of indulgence absolutely did not fly with these serious-minded samurai who expected better behavior and leadership from their liege lord. It strikes me as a little ironic that Nobunaga's foe, in this case, was a young man who probably lived very similarly to the way Nobunaga had in his early days. The irony was probably lost on Nobunaga, however, as he continued to pressure Kinoshita Tokichiro to conceive of a way the Oda could gain control over Mino province without Pyrrhic warfare. Which is not to say that he did not try. Between 1561 and 1563, Nobunaga would lead war bands of around 700 warriors into Mino province, only to be repulsed by local armies numbering closer to 3,000. In 1564, Nobunaga managed to get all the way to Inabayama Castle, the headquarters of the Saito clan, and besieged it, only to be driven off by its stalwart defenders. It is written that in spite of Inabayama Castle's reputation for being unbreachable, Daimyo Saito Tatsuoki cowered in an inner chamber while leaving his retainers to manage defense of the fortress. One particular retainer was said to be especially gifted in strategy. His name was Takenaka Shigeharu, but he was better known by his nickname, Hanbei. In 1565, disaster engulfed Kyoto as retainers of the Miyoshi clan moved against sitting shogun Ashikaga Yoshiteru, who committed seppuku, and replaced him with their puppet, Ashikaga Yoshihide. Yoshiteru's brother, Ashikaga Yoshiaki, fled the capital and began actively seeking supporters to set him upon the shogunal throne. One man who took up work as one of his official bodyguards was a man named Akechi Mitsuhide, who had to flee Mino province after finding himself on the losing side of the Battle of Nagaragawa. We will discuss the wandering shogun's court further at the end of this episode, but it helps to remember that while Nobunaga was trying to conceive a way to make incursions into Mino province, reports were coming in that Kyoto had somehow just become more chaotic. While Okazaki Castle was very close to the southern border of Mino province, what the Oda clan really needed was a castle closer to Mino, which they could use as a staging point. Kinoshita Tokichiro, ever eager to please, conceived of a plan to both create said staging point and do so while demoralizing what few supporters of the Saito clan remained. Working closely with Hachisuka Masakatsu, Tokichiro constructed a castle near the union of the Sai and Sagara rivers just inside Oda territory. He allegedly accomplished this task overnight, though modern scholars have various theories as to how he performed this feat. The most likely explanation, in my opinion at least, 
is that he arranged the prefabrication of several large pieces of the castle which could quickly be raised and assembled into a façade. The façade looked like a complete castle to onlookers from Mino province, and his laborers likely continued building it in the interim. Whatever the case, Sunomata Castle was erected and served as a base for the Oda clan to assemble a large army which they would use to besiege Inabayama Castle. In the fall of 1567, the Oda began assembling such an army, which included troops from defecting clan chieftains who had formerly expressed loyalty to the Saito clan. The Yama in Inabayama means mountain in Japanese. Inabayama Castle was named thus because it was built on the summit of Mount Inaba. While this gave the residents of the castle a certain amount of security and strategic advantage, it also meant that part of their fortress merged with the mountain itself. While that particular side of the mountain was thought to be unscalable, this belief almost certainly added to a lax attitude over that side of the fortress, which was generally neglected. The Oda army, after all, was not on that particular side of the fortification. Enter Kinoshita Tokichiro. He had convinced Nobunaga before the battle that he could find a path up the mountain that would allow him to breach the fortress and gain an easier victory than an all-out assault from his frontline troops. Nobunaga agreed to allow Tokichiro to choose around a dozen warriors to accompany him on his secret mission up the mountain. The story goes that Tokichiro was shown a previously unknown passage to the top of Mount Inaba by a local named Horio Yoshiharu, whom Tokichiro had recruited after watching the man successfully wrestle a wild boar. Tokichiro and his commandos scaled the treacherous cliff face of Inaba Mountain until they came at last to the castle itself. Easily gaining entry to the fortress as the mountain-facing side was unguarded, Tokichiro and his commandos proceeded to wreak havoc upon the unsuspecting defenders, lighting fires to their gunpowder magazines and killing the aloof sentries they encountered with ease. Eventually they arrived at a portion of the walls facing the besieging Oda army and attached their water gourds to their spears, waving them over the walls as a signal that the attack could begin. The fortress fell shortly thereafter, though Saito Tatsuoki escaped. His vassal Takenaga Shigeharu surrendered to the Oda clan, but was spared and brought into Nobunaga's service. Inabayama Castle itself was, unfortunately, terribly damaged in the assault that followed Kinoshita Tokichiro's infiltration. Oda Nobunaga, however, rather liked the location and ordered it to be rebuilt. He attached a new name to this fortification, which he would soon thereafter use as his primary headquarters. It would be called Gifu Castle. The kanji for Gifu are the same as the Chinese characters for Mount Qi, where the Zhou dynasty of China allegedly launched their campaign for nationwide domination thousands of years before. And in case naming his newly rebuilt castle headquarters after Mount Qi was, you know, too subtle, Nobunaga soon adopted a new seal for the Oda clan, which was composed of kanji characters which, in Japanese, read Tenka Fubu. In English, this translates to conquer the world by force of arms, and it was a pretty clear declaration of Oda Nobunaga's future ambitions. The effects of the successful siege of Inabayama were felt almost immediately. 
the samurai who composed the Mino Triumvirate now openly declared for Nobunaga, and they were joined by the Ji-Zamurai, vassals, and retainers who had previously been bribed by Kinoshita Tokichiro. In short, basically the whole of Mino province was now under Oda Nobunaga's control, along with Owari province. He had managed to expand the Oda clan's domain, and this was followed by the usual influx of new willing warriors and higher-ranked samurai officers who were eager to cement their support of this new man, Oda Nobunaga. Bandwagoners, hangers-on, and sycophants were not the only ones seeking to make nice with the new big man of Chubu. Very soon, a politically powerful ally would seek out Nobunaga's help in restoring his stolen fortunes. We will discuss these powerful allies at the end of this episode. For the moment, however, we will turn our attention toward Mikawa province, where the newly independent daimyo of the Matsudaira clan took his first steps toward unifying the province under his governance in 1560, after the sudden collapse of the Imagawa clan at Okehazama. The Matsudaira clan had a long tradition of independence, which caused their more conservative vassals and retainers to chafe under the suzerainty of the Imagawa clan. When disaster struck the Imagawa at the Battle of Okehazama, however, the Matsudaira troops were busy finalizing their conquest of Marune Castle. As we discussed earlier in this episode, the Matsudaira made a treaty with the Oda clan after the disaster at Okehazama, but this was kept in strict secrecy for fear that Motoyasu's wife and children who were hostages of the Imagawa would be killed if the Imagawa learned of the treachery. While it is tempting to vilify Matsudaira Motoyasu for the flexibility of his allegiance, this abandonment of his liege lord would have been thought somewhat justifiable at the time. Smaller samurai clans like the Matsudaira had to be very clever about who they chose to serve, and you may recall that Motoyasu's father had only sworn allegiance to the Imagawa when he felt he had no other choice. Had Imagawa Yoshimoto managed to turn the ambush against itself at Okehazama and crush the troublesome Oda clan once and for all, I have little doubt that Motoyasu would have happily continued serving the Imagawa. But Yoshimoto was dead. If the Matsudaira clan didn't want to be mourned alongside him, they would need to act with cleverness and ambition. Loyalty was a luxury which they could ill afford. While the secret treaty was held in trust by both parties, it would not stay secret forever. In spite of the Imagawa clan's sudden existential crisis, the lives of his wife and children were in danger, and he needed leverage if he hoped to preserve them. He was fortunate enough to enjoy the service of a vassal named Hattori Hanzo. Hanzo was not just another samurai, but utilized irregular battlefield tactics and was extremely skilled in the areas of infiltration, spying, and all-around sneakiness. In short, Hattori Hanzo was what we would call a ninja. We will explore the ninja further in a bonus episode, either in this season or the next, or maybe both, but it serves our purposes today to note that Hattori Hanzo's fighters utilize subterfuge in their tactics both on and off the battlefield. Matsudaira Motoyasu was counting on Hattori Hanzo when he decided to move against the Imagawa clan by besieging Kaminogo Castle in eastern Mikawa in 1562. 
Far from being a random target, Kaminogo Castle was held by ranking members of the Udono clan, who were loyal vassals of the Imagawa and were acting as wards to Motoyasu's daughters. Hattori Hanzo is given credit for infiltrating the castle while the Udono warriors were distracted from the siege and not only rescuing the Matsudaira maidens, but also taking the leaders of the Udono clan into their custody and sabotaging the castle defenses to allow Motoyasu's troops to storm in and claim victory. When the Imagawa clan learned of Motoyasu's treachery, they were furious, but also in a very difficult position. Motoyasu offered to exchange the ranking leaders of the Udono clan to the Imagawa in exchange for his wife and son. Probably motivated in part by the need to show general loyalty toward their vassals at a difficult time when so many were abandoning them, the Imagawa clan agreed, and the Matsudaira family was fully reunited. While the future of the clan was still anything but secure, there is something touching about Matsudaira Motoyasu's first actions as an independent clan chief being the rescue of his family hostages. Hopefully you'll recall that Motoyasu himself grew up as a hostage, and at one point his own father actually abandoned him to his fate among the Oda clan rather than turn against the Imagawa. It seems he had no intention of following after the pattern of his father in that regard, at least. Which is not to say that he was an eternally loving father, husband, and all-around family man, but we'll get to those events later. In 1563, the very next year, Motoyasu changed his name to Ieyasu, and his son Nobuyasu was married to Tokuhime, a daughter of Nobunaga. Although his clan enjoyed a great degree of independence, Ieyasu was very diligent about answering calls to arms from Nobunaga and ensuring that Matsudaira warriors were present in Mino, Issei, and any other province in which the Oda were contending. While Matsudaira Ieyasu busied himself by networking with other influential samurai of Mikawa in an effort to bring the entire province under his practical purview, a familiar threat was beginning to emerge which would challenge his leadership. The Iko Iki had been active in Mikawa for many years and had prospered during the chaos that engulfed the samurai of the province during the constant feuding between the Oda and Imagawa clans. In 1563, however, they began to show worrying signs of disobedience as they resisted efforts by the Matsudaira government to enforce a tax on Jodo Shinshu temples. What was worse than their mere disobedience was the fact that they managed to get the better of samurai opponents on several occasions and killed official messengers from their nominal rulers with impunity. Like the Iko Iki who had made themselves the de facto rulers of Kaga province in the north, these Iko were composed of people belonging to nearly every social class, income level, and fighting ability. Some of the Iko leaders were former vassals of the Matsudaira clan who gleefully recruited more of their brethren to resist provincial rule. Tensions came to a head at Azukizaka, where Matsudaira Ieyasu faced off against a massive Iko Iki army. You may recall that Azukizaka was also the site of a famous battle between the Oda and Imagawa back in 1542. It was here that Ieyasu sought not only to drive his enemies from the field, 
but to put bold, inspiring leadership on full display. Like a samurai hero from a bygone era, Ieyas rode out alone and shouted dueling challenges to the samurai who fought among the Iko Iki. When the battle commenced, he joined in the fighting personally and was struck several times by enemy bullets which pierced his armor but mercifully left him unharmed. The Matsudaira clan won a victory at Azukizaka, not only over their immediate foes, but also over hearts and minds of undecided local samurai who were now duly impressed with Ieyasu's boldness and fortitude. This was not the end of the Iko-Iki threat in Mikawa province, but it served a larger purpose in supporting Ieyasu's unification efforts. In 1567, Matsudaira Ieyasu would receive permission from the imperial court at last to use a new family name which he had coined to reflect their supposed Minamoto heritage. Ieyasu's branch of the Matsudaira clan would now be known as the Tokugawa clan. We will refer to him from now on as Tokugawa Ieyasu, a name which you should take care to remember. By the late 1560s, the tripartite alliance between the Takeda, Hojo, and Imagawa clan was deader than the Kamakura shogunate. The Takeda and Hojo were now at war, and the Takeda reached out to the Tokugawa clan to establish friendly relations and proposed that both clans split the former Imagawa domain and annex whatever territories they could. Tokugawa Ieyasu eagerly agreed, though he was still sending troops to support Oda Nobunaga's efforts after the conquest of Mino province. After said conquest, the Oda clan became a prime target for alliance by influential factions who longed to hold the reins of power. In particular, the exiled Ashikaga Yoshiaki, the brother of shogun Ashikaga Yoshiteru, who committed seppuku, was looking for a powerful patron to join his cause and champion his installation as shogun. Originally, he had approached Asakura Yoshikage, the daimyo of the Asakura clan of Echizen province. However, while Yoshikage nominally supported the claim of Yoshiaki, he was leery about trying to take the capital from the belligerent Miyoshi and Hosokawa clans who held it. One of Ashikaga Yoshiaki's bodyguards, Akechi Mitsuhide, is credited with coining the idea to approach Oda Nobunaga and ask for his help. The self-proclaimed shogun Ashikaga Yoshiaki made a journey to Gifu Castle along with Akechi Mitsuhide to formally ask for Nobunaga's help in restoring the correct lineage to the shogun's throne. However, while Nobunaga agreed to this restoration, he would have to contend with the leading clan of Omi province, the Rokkaku clan. You may recall that the Rokkaku clan frequently behaved as an autonomous authority, rejecting the authority of the Bakufu unless it benefited them directly. While their tendency toward guerrilla tactics often worked against foes like Ashikaga Yoshihisa, they would prove to be less effective against Nobunaga. While he was planning a stabbing advance through Omi province, Oda Nobunaga was also making preparations for Ise province to be subdued. Nestled in the southeastern corner of Kansai, Issei province was home to the Grand Issei Shrine, as well as many other religious sites. However, Nobunaga assigned a trusted general with the task of subduing Issei province and either breaking or extracting pledges of fealty from that province's leading families in the late 1560s. 
it may have seemed at the time that everything was coming together in some kind of cosmic destiny. The rightful heir to the shogunal throne would be restored, Nobunaga would continue to hone his reputation as a mighty conqueror, and Mitsuhide's fortunes would no doubt rise along with those of his master. Everybody wins, right? Right? As you may have surmised from the sarcasm in my tone, this was an alliance of convenience and not idealism. Everybody would indeed get what they want for the moment, but the Ashikaga shogunate had declined to such a state of irrelevance that Nobunaga saw Yoshiaki as little more than a convenient puppet for him to use on his own path to power. The path to Kyoto, however, was still occupied by dangerous enemies who supported the Hosokawa and Miyoshi clans. Issei province and Omi province were both targets over which Oda Nobunaga was eager to gain control. Next time, we will explore how he did exactly that, and see what further adventures await the man formerly known as the Fool of Owari. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. Japan. <laughs>